Welcome to The Exchange, guys. If this is your first time here, we just want to welcome you to The Exchange family. If I have not yet had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Chrissy, and my husband, Hal, and I just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. I think we can clap for that. Props to him for putting up with me for 16 years. Um, But together we lead and pastor over at the Temple Terrace campus. Shout out to Temple Terrace. Um, We have a little bit about me, two boys. One is seven, one is two. I love being a boy mom. It is always loud. It is always chaotic. And at any given moment, there is a huge mess somewhere. But to our first timers, Truly, we are so glad that you are here tonight. Maybe some of you don't even know how you ended up here. Like a friend invited you to the exchange and you're like, well, that sounds like a cool maybe new restaurant or club. And then you get here and you're like, you did not tell me that we were coming to church tonight. But I just hope that you feel welcome because we want you to know that when you step through those doors, well, whether you like it or not, you are family, right? Right, exchange? You are family now. So if you did not know this, in Florida, we are actually gearing up for race season. Where are all my runners at in the room? Raise your hand if you have ever walked or run a 5K, okay? What about those of you who have maybe run like a half marathon? Maybe you've trained for a marathon. Anybody run track in here? The rest of you would probably say that you maybe only run like to your car when it's raining, or maybe if you're being chased by some sort of wild animal, right? But I've actually done a few marathons before, half marathon, not a full marathon. My first was about 10 years ago at Disney, and I figured, hey, if I'm going to run a marathon and possibly die, I need to be at the happiest place on earth, right? (laughs) But I actually know from just following some of you guys on social media that a couple of you have just recently run a long-distance race here locally, so kudos to you guys if you're in the house tonight. So tonight, we are in week five of our series on purpose. Last week, Pastor Mark spoke about how we are purposed to serve. He reminded us that the purpose of our gifts and talents is not so that we would grow our own platforms, right? But that ultimately, that we would not grow our own kingdoms, but that we would use our gift and talents to grow those around us and ultimately build his kingdom. But how do we live that out, right? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 is probably one of my favorite verses. And in verse 1, it starts off by saying, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off everything that hinders us and slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run. Let us run our race that God has set before us. So as we wrap up this series tonight, I just kind of want to bring some practicality for us, some next steps, okay? So how do we run our race with intention? What does it look like to actually live a life on mission? Now, I know some of you just kind of got wide-eyed, and I saw you start to kind of wiggle in your seat when you heard the word mission, and you're like, yeah, like I am out, okay? You heard the word mission, and you're like, girl, if you're fixing to tell me that I have to pack up all of my stuff and move to Timbuktu, like you've got the wrong girl. I'm going to go ahead and check out now, but you can breathe. I'm not going to do that. God may eventually call you to Timbuktu, but that's not between me and you. That's between him, so. But I know that for some of you since starting this series, that you have really started to wrestle with God. When it comes to the question of what is my purpose, maybe you've been tuning each week on the podcast. Maybe you've also been following along in the book, The Purpose Driven Life, that was recommended in week one. If you haven't started reading that, I recommend you to go pick it up. But when it comes to running your race, I do think that we can feel stuck 
at some times. And maybe one of these three places, maybe you might find yourself there today. Number one, maybe when you hear the word purpose, you quickly get anxious, right? Like you start to just kind of get overwhelmed and you find yourself restless, though. For a long time, like you have been desperate for something more. You've been praying, God, show me my purpose. Show me your will for my life. I need a sign. And you've been praying and hoping that you're going to walk down the street and you're going to see that neon sign. And maybe you've been hoping that when you walk out your door in the morning, that he's literally going to split the clouds and kind of shine a light down from heaven. And you're going to hear a booming voice come out of the sky to say, this is your purpose, right? Like that's how we wish God would operate. But today you would say that you feel stuck, man, just like right at the starting line. Or maybe number two, maybe you would say that you have a pretty good idea about how God has wired you and how he hasn't. But if you were to be honest, you would say that you struggle with contentment in comparison. Like you question, do I really matter? Can I really make an impact? You're always watching them over there and you're doubting, am I enough? Or you're wishing, oh gosh, I wish I could be doing that you find yourself believing that maybe God just has less for me. Today, you would say that you're running, but you kind of feel stuck fighting to stay in your lane. Or lastly, maybe you're pretty confident and you've been pretty confident when it comes to your purpose and you've been running your race for a while, but if you were to be honest, you feel like something is kind of off. You feel like maybe you've just kind of grown a little bored, like the methods that used to work for you in the first few miles, like they're no longer working for you in this leg of the race. Today, you would say like you feel stuck just kind of running in circles. See, I believe when it comes to living a life on mission, that discovering your passions, finding contentment in your calling, and developing your gifts with intention will enable you to get unstuck and just take one next step to run your race with perseverance. See, when it comes to living a life on mission first, we have to discover our passion. We have to do the work to discover our passion. So for me, I actually married into ministry. I had been chasing after Jesus for a couple of years and I finally got one on lockdown and married a pastor at 22. And I was serving as a pastor's wife and just kind of alongside my husband, serving wherever was needed in ministry. But for me, I did not truly become awakened to the call on my life. I didn't really truly know like how my story and my giftings, how God wanted to use all of it, right? Like I kind of knew what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, but that he wanted to ultimately use those things that made me me to influence those around me, to grow those around me and to ultimately build his kingdom, See, when I was stuck at the starting line and I first heard someone say to me, God created you on purpose for a purpose. I'm like, that sounds really good. But I remember thinking like, who, me? Like, I'm pretty sure, God, that you've got the wrong girl. What in the world do I have to offer? How in the world have I been equipped? And that's why I love this verse in Ephesians 2.10 that tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he planned beforehand that we should walk in them. So when it comes to discovering our passion, I want to quickly just talk about three steps that can help you uncover what is it that I am passionate about. The first thing we have to do is reflect. 
So for me, it wasn't actually, you've heard some of my story if you've been here for a minute, until I was 29 years old after going through intense counseling for once a week, six months, shout out to Jesus plus therapy, right? But at the time, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I did know that I was stuck. But with my therapist and together with Jesus, we began to kind of unravel and untangle the messy threads of my life. And I began learning how to submit the lies that the enemy had eventually um, whispered over my life for so long and submit those lies to the truth of the word of God. And I began to find healing and freedom from those lies. So I want you to know that the messiest threads of your life, like the no good waste of your life, the stuff that you kind of just see like all heaped together and maybe you kind of try to kick it underneath the bed or, or hide it in the closet, that that is some of the most fertile soil that God wants to use in your life to birth something great. And although you try to hide it, although you try to pretend like it's not there, although you've developed some pretty good coping mechanisms, we have to reflect because your pain and suffering will be inextricable tied to your passion. Your pain and your suffering will be inextricably tied to your passion. And this could be experiential pain or perceived pain. Maybe you saw someone that you love go through something or you heard about some sort of people group somewhere experiencing something and it broke your heart. Your passions will ultimately lead you to your why. And this is where we have to dig deep, right? Like we have to do the hard work to understand God why have you created me to do this? God, why have you placed this burden on my heart? God, why have you given me eyes to see that around me so easily that nobody around me really seems to see the way that I do? See, most of the times, the passion that he longs to birth in you are tied to a lie that you once believed. The passions that he longs to birth in you are tied to a lie that you once believed. But when you discover your why, this is maybe the coolest part because we serve a super relational God who is all about relationships. But once you do the work to reflect and discover your why, your why will always lead you to your who. Because behind every why is a who. Behind every passion is a person. God has always been in the business of taking what is wrong and making it right. It's a game called he wins. It's a game called we win. Because once you have been set free, he then calls you to go and set others free. That's why I love the story of Joseph. After all the stuff that he had been through in his life and his brothers who sold him into slavery, and that just kind of started a chain reaction of events, but they betrayed him. He was able to ultimately stand before them one day and in forgiveness with grace and mercy, he says in Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So once we do the work and we reflect and then we discover our why and our who, how? How ultimately are we supposed to live this out? And God calls us to live out these passions through our giftings, through our strengths, and through our talents. Like the stuff that just comes easy to us or comes natural to us. The stuff that we honestly just kind of take for granted in our lives. 
In the next part here, we're actually going to go over um, the worksheet that you got coming in, the reflection worksheet. I'm going to touch that here at the end just so you can start kind of making some of those connections. So in the next part, after we reflect, is we have to ask. This is really where we just seek wisdom and confirmation through other believers. So whether that's a professional, whether that's leadership in your church, like Pastor Mark and Michelle, or your small group leaders, or maybe your coordinators and your coaches, myself, we are all here to wrestle this out with you. We are all here to walk through this with you. And so that's what we're here for. In godly community, your friends. Proverbs 15, 22 tells us, for plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So after we reflect, after we ask, then just go serve, right? Like honestly, sometimes the best way is just to go out there and try it. You'll find pretty quickly what you're not good at, right? And you'll find what you are good at. And it'll kind of come with a certain ease, not saying that it will always be easy or that you won't become frustrated. And at times it won't be hard. But when you leave that situation, you'll feel a peace. You'll feel an ease. You'll feel a joy. You'll feel fulfilled. See, God will guide you if you just take one next step. Because when we move, God clarifies. When we move, God will clarify that calling. And we do have a few really cool opportunities that are coming up, both in the church, but also out in the community. And we're going to reference those in the next step slide at the end of the service. But get out of your comfort zone. Just dive in. I love what my friend Amy says. She says, imperfect action is always better than perfect procrastination. Imperfect action is always better than perfect procrastination. We don't have anything to lose. So when it comes to living a life on mission, after we do the work to discover our passion, sometimes though we can get stuck when it comes to contentment in our calling. And just for the sake of clarification, I think it's important to first kind of clarify the difference between purpose and calling and assignment. Because I think if you've either been around reading self-help books or maybe you've been in the church for five minutes, you hear the words purpose and calling used a lot, right? And they kind of are used interchangeably. So I want to clear that for you because I think we can get stuck with this. Last week, Pastor Mark mentioned the great commandment, which is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul. And to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Like this was not said that it was the greatest option or it was the great suggestion. God said above all, like this is your purpose. To love God and to love others. And then we get what's called the great commission, which is simply just to go into all the world and to make disciples. This is our calling, So wherever you go, wherever your feet find themselves, go and give God away. It's that simple. I think we can kind of complicate this a lot. Whatever season you currently find yourself in, your purpose never changes. It's no different than my purpose. Mark's purpose is the same as my purpose, and my purpose is the same as Johnny's purpose. Love God, love others. It's that simple. But our callings, or the how that God calls us to individually go and give him away, they may look different as our assignments change in each season. For example, what is my purpose? To love God and love others. My calling, no matter what the season I know, is to awaken people to the unique calling that God has on their lives and their giftings. Ultimately, that they would find their voice. 
And then to help them become equipped and see how they are empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in the calling in whatever season they find themselves in so that you might ultimately lead yourself and lead others well. See, if you are fighting to find contentment in your calling, you must know that although your calling may not change in each season, your assignment can. So don't get stuck there. That's okay. See, about seven years ago, God began calling me to start our church's first prison ministry, Hope Rising. My assignment would take me from, you know, where I was currently into the women's prison at Hernando Correctional. And then about six years ago, God began calling our family to foster. And as we tell our son, we say we are a safe place for kids to stay while mommies and daddies get healthy and make better choices. See, in each season, the purpose was the same. The calling was the same. But the assignment in forming relationships was obviously very different when it comes to building relationships with women in the prison than it is to coming alongside moms of our kiddos. The assignment changed, but the purpose and the calling never changed. Another thing I want to do, because I think we can get stuck here, is I just kind of want to dispel the myth that there's a difference or a divide between what's sacred and what's secular. And basically, those are just fancy terms to say that I think we have this idea when it comes to living out our purpose and operating in our calling that ministry is to be done in the church. That ministry is to be done by people that are on staff or maybe have the title of pastor, but ministry is wherever you find your feet, guys. I think that we need more people ministering outside of the church than we need inside of the church. And I think that ultimately, wherever your feet find themselves, whether it's your neighborhood or your cubicle, or maybe it's the produce aisle, or maybe it's when you come in here, that that ultimately is ministry. There's no divide. And the next place where I think we can get stuck is we have to learn to fight comparison. See, when it comes to living on mission and running the race that we have been called to run, I think one of the ways that the enemy is most successful at distracting us is when we begin to compare our race to somebody else's. Have you ever thought to yourself, am I good enough? Have you ever thought to yourself, is what I'm doing good enough? Comparison will kill your calling. Therefore, you must fight to know your lane and to stay in your lane. See, when we always fear missing out on something over there, we are always going to be discontent with what God has for us here. I love this verse in Ephesians 3.20. And if you were at the conference this weekend, it was the conference verse, but it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more all that we might ask or think in Galatians 1.10 tells us, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So when it comes to finding contentment in your calling, FOMO will always get the best of you if you are always thinking that God only has infinitely more over there. When it comes to living on mission, I think the only FOMO that we should have is getting to the end of this life and realizing we never ran the race that we were called to run. How devastating would that be to stand before Jesus someday and him show you, hey, like, this is all the opportunities that you left on the table. This is what I wanted to do in and through you. 
that would be so devastating to realize no one ran our race because we were so busy looking at their race. When it comes to living a life on mission, so not only do we need to work to develop our passions, not only do we need to fight to find contentment in our calling, but third, we need to do the work of growing and developing our gifts. See, I love this quote that we will be less distracted by comparison when we become more captivated with our calling. There have been seasons where I have felt like I have been running my own race. Like I was just kind of like running in circles. Now looking back, I can see that I became stuck because I failed to grow and develop my gifts. I had not been intentional about stewarding my strengths. I find myself just kind of going through the motions. Have you been there? And you know, if you stay stuck running in circles long enough, ultimately the enemy will try to get you to question if you should just stop running altogether. So when it comes to living on mission, we must be intentional with the use, but also the cultivation of our gifts because the same giftings and maturity that got you here are not going to take you there. The same giftings and maturity that brought you here are not going to take you there. It took me some time before I realized that, you know what? I just kind of have grown complacent in my race. We can't forget to be faithful with what's right in front of us. But while we are always on the way to where God is leading, we must also prepare ourselves for where he's taking us next. We see a lot of people get to next and they're not ready for it, right? So be faithful, fam. Don't worry about the details. Don't be consumed with trying to be impressive. Just be obedient. Don't be consumed with trying to be impressive before you just take that next step. Just do it. Just be obedient. Everyone say, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Do you have the gift of encouragement? What are you doing to use that gift right now? What are you doing on a daily or weekly basis? Send that note. Send that text. Speak that word. Do you have the gift of hospitality? That just means basically you're known for being the great party thrower. When's the last time that you put something together? When's the last time that you invited someone who you know needs community, who you know needs somewhere to belong? Do you have the gift of wisdom or communicating? When's the last time that you wrote? What communicators are you listening to and just taking notes and learning from? Are you involved in a small group? Are you leading a small group? Because you should be. The next part is we have to pursue a mentor, but we also have to look for someone to mentor. And back to our key verse that we've been reading here in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it starts off by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I love this imagery because this verse reminds us that we're running two races. Like not only are we running a specific race and the race that we're called to, but we're also running a shared race right? Like we're all running the same race together, even though we all have our own lanes and are called to our own spaces. But God gave us our people to run with, right? So that tells me that there's going to be people that are further ahead in their race than we are. And there's going to be people that are behind us. So if you see someone in your life who you respect and they model a life that, you know, you want your life to kind of look like that, you want a marriage, that looks like that because you didn't see that growing up or maybe you see that they have a gifting and they're farther down the road. You know, send them a text, get lunch, pick their brain, come with questions. But then don't forget to also turn around and look for that brother or sister behind you. Go and be 
the big brother, the big sister that you wish that you had. And another just kind of side note, when it comes to kind of pursuing mentorship, don't just sit around. Don't just sit around because I can say that I've wasted times at a certain point in my life where I've kind of just sat around and wait to be affirmed or like discovered, right? God's already affirmed you. God says he already chose you. God says he already equips you. So just go get in their lane. Just go ask them intentional questions, but you do not need to wait and sit to be affirmed. You've already be affirmed. Lastly, the most important part of developing your giftings is a constant necessary seeking of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to running your race, you can be passionate, you can be content, you can be gifted, but there's always going to be a disconnect when it comes to the power of God when you're not consistently in the presence of God. So ask yourself, am I spending intentional time in prayer? Am I creating intentional space to read my Bible? Am I pursuing intentional time with his people? Here's the thing. As you grow in your calling, chances are that your opportunities are going to increase. But I can tell you at the same time, so will your opposition. And that's why we have to daily seek his presence. John 3.30 says he must increase and I must decrease. See, the more I move towards God, the more I move away from myself. See, we then move away from doing things for God and move towards partnering with him in his epic story. And I love this. When it comes to living on mission, the more reliant on God you will need to be. And that is so true. Just to close up, I love this quote by Craig Rochelle. It's kind of lengthy, but stay with me here as I wrap up. The way God made you was not by chance or accident. You were divinely inspired with his divine intention to guide you. Once you begin to understand who you are and whose you are, you begin to understand why you're here and what to do. You see, in all of history, God decided that this 50, 60, 70, 80, however many years that you have here on this earth, that whatever time you have here, that this was the single point intended for you. He chose you. As upside down as we feel like this world is in 2020 all the way to now, he chose you with your story, with your giftings, with your passions. He put you right where he wanted you. So my question's for you. I just want to leave you with this. What next step do you need to take towards freedom and healing so that God can take what the enemy meant for your destruction and birth something new? Birth those passions in you what would it look like for you to run your race unapologetically thriving in your lane? Who would be impacted? What environments would change with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you and equips you and guides you? What will your legacy be? What will they say about you? Will they say that she was crazy enough to take God at his word, that she truly believed that he was real? Would they say that he was crazy enough to believe that God called him to change his family, to change the generations? I wholeheartedly believe 
But next to loving Jesus, next to being snatched up by Jesus, that living a life on mission and faithfully walking in that calling is quite possibly the greatest responsibility we have in our generation. The second part of that scripture in Hebrews 2 through 3 tells us how we can run our race with perseverance. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding his shame, So we fix our eyes on him. Friend, if you're one of those people that I spoke about earlier when I said you really don't know how you ended up here, Jesus knows. You're right where you're supposed to be. And you would say, you know, I really don't know though who this Jesus is. He knows you. You're not here by accident. God intended for you to be right here, right now, because he is pursuing relationship with you. And as followers of Christ, we just believe that Jesus ultimately modeled what it looked like to live a life of purpose on purpose for an eternal purpose. Because of the joy awaiting him, the Bible says his mission was about you. His mission was about you. We believe that Jesus was God's son sent to earth to save us from ourselves a life of sin and death, but also a life without purpose. We believe that he died on the cross to save us, yes, because he wanted to spend eternity with us, but that he also wanted us to find hope and joy and purpose in this life. We believe that he died and was buried and on the third day he rose again and that he's seated with God in heaven, but one day he's coming back and he's gonna establish a new earth and a new heaven. Jesus was the number one model for a life lived on mission. And his mission was always about people. It was always about you. If you would like to start that relationship today, I invite you with us just to close your eyes and bow your heads and silently pray this to yourself as we just pray it all together and to remind ourselves, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for when I continue to fall short. Give me the strength to follow you, to trust you. Thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice on that cross and that you saw my face and you never lost sight of the mission, which was me. Thank you that in you, I find my purpose. Help me to discover my calling and walk faithfully in it. In Jesus' name, amen.